A quick hello and we get to go. Welcome to the show, Teodora Petkova. Hi, and thanks for having me. Right. The, um, the aim of the song is either to make you feel relaxed or incredibly embarrassed or incredibly uncomfortable. Which one did it make you feel? I felt awkward. Right. Okay. Awkward was the fourth choice that I had kind of <laughs> safely put to one side. Wonderful to have you here. I've been really looking forward to this. I'm just going to show really quickly so that everybody who's listening, uh, watching rather, can read Weaving the Web of People, Content and Data. And you can read that at your leisure when you watch this back. If you're listening on the audio podcast, I've just put up a, a long text of what Theodora says she is going to speak about. I'm really excited because I don't understand a word of it. Um, so you're going to basically have to explain what you've written. And I think that probably makes for a pretty good show. Now, before we start, I always start off with the brand sets. And I was going to show your brand set. And then I found this, which is another Theodora Petkova. And we have the problem that it's showing your photo. Google is showing your photo alongside her. So it's already a little bit confused. And we've seen that recently kind of quite a lot on Google. And then we can see Richard Burton, the actor down there, and you wonder what he's doing as a related, people also search for a related entity. And it's because one of the bosses of a bank that she works for is called Richard Burton, and it's got another photo confused. Now, one thing I do, I would say though, is kind of people tend to be quite critical of Google for making these mistakes, but it's really difficult to get a grip on different people. It's so terribly ambiguous. Then I found something that is potentially a problem, which is that if you click on claim this knowledge panel, it's identify your site as her entity home. So theoretically, well, in fact, not theoretically, you could actually claim somebody else's knowledge panel because they happen to share the same name as you. And Google has got confused about which is the entity home. It thinks the other Teodora Petkova lives at teodorapetkova.com, which is you. So there you go. A bit of a bit of a wander around knowledge panels and perhaps the dangers of uh, not claiming your own and also being mixed up because you have the same name. How do you feel about that, Teodora? Positive, negative, unhappy, happy, frustrated? Uh, I, yeah, I feel wonderful for, uh, because of that uh, twist of yours. I really liked it. I know about this, and I like uh, the way you unfolded it uh, regarding the, the phenomenon itself. Mm. Uh, it's the good old Zen thing. When you name a thing, this is not the thing. Oh. <laughs> this you, is already not the thing. And when we're doing web marketing and when we're creating web objects, which is content, but we're not used to call it web object. It is a web object. Um, we are prone to doing things like this. And, uh, and uh, by the way, two years ago, a friend of mine told me, how come you're doing content writing and you're working for an SEO company and your name, uh, you, your website doesn't appear on the first page, but rather um, this woman's uh, name is right. given. They search for Theodora Petkova. And his answer and guess was that she's in the news. Uh, there okay. are a lot of articles talking about her. She has interviews, lots right. of content. 
Now, now, in fact, your your website does rank. Uh, if I looked it up in New York and you rank number one, you dominate your site, <laughs> your Twitter account. Uh, and in London, you drop down to seventh or eighth place and she pops up, uh, but it's her LinkedIn account. Uh, her weakness, if I may give it a call it a weakness, is that she hasn't created a website for herself, which would be her entity home. So you are actually stronger in that sense, but she's probably stronger in the news. You're stronger on Twitter. It's like this. It's like this boxing match of competition. Yeah, she was busy running a bank. <laughs> oh, she has a proper job then, right? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And we just sit around theorizing and, and playing playing kind of experiments. Actually, yeah. honestly, that's all I do with my life. If I could, I would just run experiments on stuff like this because I love it so much. Yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't know that when you want to claim an entity, your uh, my side appears. Right. Well, you could yeah claim that, and 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 you can actually claim it through your own website through Search Console if Google's recognized the entity home or through Twitter if it's recognized the Twitter account, and through YouTube as well. Those are kind of the three main options for claiming. Oh, and otherwise you have to actually submit your passport and justification, uh, and it becomes this whole kind of palaver where a human being, there, there are human beings at Google we sometimes forget, actually looks at your application and decides whether or not you are that person or not. Mm. So there you go. You don't have a knowledge panel yet, but I'm sure you will fairly soon as long as, as long as, or once Google starts sorting out that difference. But that's not the topic for today. The topic for today is weaving the web of people, content, and data. I love your description simply because when I read it, I get, you know, my, my, my brain turns off about halfway through because there are too many words I don't understand or combinations. Maybe it's the combinations of the word, but you start off with the web was in or has been semantic from its very inception mm. it's always uh, difficult for me when somebody says that they don't understand what i wrote that's i'm why very I, sorry no that's fine that's fine that's no. why i i was silent a bit let's it's go for 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 the semantics of the web i'm always showing this Tim Berners-Lee's book, Weaving the Web, the, web. Mm -hmm. right. the Original Design and Ultimate Destiny of the World Wide Web. And there, of course, online too, you can find his um, the first project he sketched when he was creating the idea of the web. Oh, wow. Why the web was semantic from, from the beginning? Because... If you look at the links, these are typed links. They're not links A links to B, but rather A is something and it relates in this and this way to B. Right. Oh, Loxolodi. That that's absolutely delightful. Maybe I should have read that book, but you actually have lots of little yellow pieces of paper in it to mark yeah. spots that are important. <laughs> Oh, no, hundreds of them. I hadn't yeah, seen quite yeah, that many. Yeah. There, is, there is a chapter, Web of People, and there is a chapter, Web of Machines. Oh, could you, could you give me a really quick rundown of, of what it says about web, web of People? Well, the Web of People is that word that you were afraid of, that the web is, yes, a socio-technical construct, but it is designed and it will be 
and it is running because of the exchange of people, because of freedoms. It's that idea from counterculture to cyber culture. It's hippie. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly the same thing. I'm literally getting goosebumps all down my yeah. arms and down my legs. This is really creepy and, and delightful at the same time because you just you just hit to the most profound thing anybody's ever said on this show. <laughs> That's the second thing that makes me I want to just stop talking. Oh, I'm sorry, but but the the idea that it's a, a socio kind of construct of Socio-technical yeah. construct. Oh, I'm glad mm -hmm. you told me the word. Sorry, go ahead. The idea uh, that socio-technical is maybe something I shouldn't have used. But again, the idea of threads, of flows, or let's use the word exchange. Okay, we're going to the store. We're exchanging. We have been through this and marketing managers, let's say they are used to this. They're used to designing things. When you go to a store, you want to feel um, in a certain way. You're going to meet the person. You're going to exchange. You're going to talk. And now we have cyberspace. And what do we do in this Siberia? Another right. uh, article from the 90s. Welcome to Siberia. It's a totally brave new world. You cannot just get experiences from the shop and translate them on the web. You should leave the web. And from there, you get to know how to talk to people and exchange with them. Wow. Oh, I love this. I mean, because it is all just social relationships and it is in a new place and we need to learn to live or to work these social relationships in this new space. But one thing just struck me is that the diagram you showed me was obviously this incredibly semantic web. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. from our perspectives as SEOs, we've, we've got so used to trying to trick Google over the years because it was just word counting and link counting that maybe we've lost, we lost sight of it and now we're actually getting back to where we should have been to start with. Well, not exactly. I wish right. it was it was that simple. I'm sending you the link so that maybe the people who are uh, listening to us can uh, check the 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 image I showed. If right. you can see yep. in the chat. Now, uh, pr problem today is that um, our friend Anton isn't here, and so I actually don't know how this works. But keep talking, and I'll try to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did we lose our way? No, we never lose our way. We're just going sideways from time to time. Um, the idea of ranking pages based on links it is, of course, Google's way of ranking things. And now we know that they already use link data to, um, to serve results. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can skip that thing that we got lost with keywords and links and just start anew and understand that the web is not a giant marketing medium, but rather a public sphere and a place where we publish knowledge, not blurbs. 
Yeah. Oh, but that's a really interesting point because kind of a lot of us think of the web as this giant billboard and that we now have all these people. We're, we're trying to get people to run through a, a town which is just billboards, which is appalling. There's a whole world out there and billboards are part of that world, but we're trying to make billboards dominate because we're constantly trying to convince people and sell to them. Mm-hmm. We do. Oh, shame on us all. Right, okay. So we've got this parallel world that we haven't really thought. I've never really thought of it like that way, and it's all to do with kind of social relationships in a, in a, in a new place. Um, how can we as marketers stop doing what I just described, which is basically paste billboards in front of people's faces every time they take a step in this world? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think that all of us do that. Oh, me. Sorry. But... but- <laughs> You're not doing it too. Um, how can we do that? Um, by connecting with our understanding that the relationships we are creating are long-term and they are to be long-term even based on research. And research shows that it's cheaper to have a long-term relationship rather than have many short-term exchange the so-called transactional relationships. So we come back to building relationships within the socio-technical world that is Siberia, as you described. (laughs) You're you're desperately trying to follow my knowledge graph. I'm, well, I'm, I'm trying to kind of think about how this changes the way I would think about this. And I think it's already changed my perception of what I'm trying to do um, in the sense that it, it, it turns me into hopefully less of a marketer and more of a normal human being who's hanging out in cyberspace and happens to have something to sell. Mm. Maybe another thing I should have said is that idea of old marketing and marketing, the pre-industrial age marketing, if we can say this, and then comes the the industrial age where we have mass marketing. And now we are in this information age where, of course, industrial marketing approaches do not fit. Or even if they fit, is this what we want for our company? Is this how we want to talk to people? So, yeah, so kind of the one-on-one approach is going to be more effective. But don't a lot of marketers, I mean, it's not even really a question. A lot of marketers think, I would love to hit 100,000 people all in one go and sell to them all at once. And we get greedy. We We want the quick fix and we want the big wins. Um, which is a real yes. pity. Mm-hmm. You, you were saying. It's not a pity. Sorry, go ahead. Maybe it's not a pity, Jason. Maybe it's just the way it is. This is what I wanted to share when I was thinking today about what I want to share. Is something that I realized. Hi, SEO today. Uh, I, I realized that before I thought that everything is connected, everything is kind of. Um, there are certain. Uh, types of links between things that are sorry. I, like I think forever. I think my connection is yeah. Sorry, I think and my connection is having a few a few problems now. 
Okay. Maybe Keep that's going. my concern. Okay. And now, uh, next to this, everything is connected. We need to put everything is unique. There are so many ways to sell. Why not mm. make the selling process two-way communication? Uh, I, personally, I hate being bombarded with uh, messages yeah. that are just... Uh, was the word for this? Uh, there is a word from a, from an old tool that was made to print things. What, boilerplate. Right. Boilerplate. Yeah. I never would have got that. But yes, yeah. I mean, the, the boilerplate. You kind of think I'm not everybody else. I'm me, um, and and we have that individuality. And as marketers, I mean, I, I get the feeling my personal kind of beef would be that as marketers we communicate with people in a way that we would not want to be communicated with yeah which is a real well <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's also kind of we 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 complain that google doesn't rank our content uh, or doesn't we don't get the click or whatever it might be saying oh that's unfair i want the click onto my site but as a user we're terribly pleased when we get the result really quickly and we don't need to click through to the site so as marketers i would like to see us looking more at this from a user perspective and saying you know I'm, I'm a marketer second and a human being and a person first. Um, but you were saying as well, we all live in bubbles, um, obviously not mm. literal bubbles. What do you mean by that? Yeah, this is the first thing I wanted to, to tell you when you, you told me that everything is, is not a mess, but rather uh, complicatedly connected. Uh, we live in bubbles. I personally lived in my bubble that... Schema.org is used by many companies and it's something that should be used across each and every website and web page. And now that I'm looking at um, big companies' websites, there is no single markup. I mean, there is, but it's so rare and randomly put. First bubble, second bubble, marketing communications or content writing uh, why not just go back to marketing theory and read some stuff about how people engaged with other people in order to sell them stuff why create uh, uh, analytics campaigns and stuff without looking a bit beyond these, beyond the numbers, and looking at people. Another bubble. Mm. Yes, the, 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 the greatest bubble of digital marketing is that people think everything starts from, from the web. Like, no, sorry, I, I, I was, that, that was an, oh, I agree, that is the biggest bubble, um, and we, we kind of failed to take the step back and say, actually, there's a real world out there, and connecting the real world to the cyber world is part of the trick. Yes, and also our minds as marketers, uh, we are to read more humanities stuff and things that are inspiring us, not to tune our tools 
we need to tune our perception and way of relating to people. This will make inspired campaigns. Which is wonderful. I mean, and, and the idea, I mean, it doesn't mean we don't use data. It just means we use data, but we use our imagination and our brains and our feelings um, mm -hmm. to, to make that data useful and helpful and effective in a human sense, as opposed to just saying, here's my big chunk of data, push that down people's throats because that's what the data <laughs> says. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, another uh, more um, maybe close to you analog is this idea of slow and fast thinking. There's time for slow thinking, there's time for fast thinking. I see a lot of people doing only the fast thinking. Oh, and you're saying that's me. Oh, how cheeky. Yeah, no, but, I'm not. Oh, I, oh, oh, I was about to say, I think I, I tend to try to think too fast and I think I need to move forward incredibly fast all the time or I'm standing yeah. still, and that's not mm -hmm. true. You need to, I agree. No, I'm, I'm taking it as a very, even if it wasn't meant that way, it does make me realize that I, I could and should slow down a little bit and actually th sit and think about yeah. people more than mm -hmm. just kind of moving forward. But brilliant, wonderful stuff. We've got a question, in fact, from, from Jennifer, which is how do we communicate correctly? I mean, rather than correctly, it would be effectively in marketing with our audience. I mean, it's a very broad question. But yes, that idea, it's a very nice question. We, we communicate correctly with clear intent. Ooh, right. We, we get a content card or we get to whatever we want to say and we ask ourselves and our team, what is, the, what is it that we want to tell our audience or this person? What do we want to tell first thing? Next thing, how are these people going to perceive our message? How can we talk in their language so that they can understand us? Example, I talked in a language that I use to write my uh, academic papers with Jason. And he was intrigued. However, he didn't understand most of the things. So I lost him. I, I lost him because um, my communication wasn't apt. It wasn't, um, it couldn't merge painlessly with his semiotic and semantic networks in his head. Maybe I should have used jazz or something. So again, to communicate correctly, we need to find a way to relate. First, clear intent. Second, find a way to relate. Third, of course, be polite, be curious, be humble. Wonderful, wonderful answer. I, I love that. Um, and kind of from, from sorry, I, I was actually kind of thinking about another thing, which is the way we communicate. I mean, obviously, we're communicating with our audience and lots of kind of data and webinars and articles you read say this is how you should be communicating with your personas adapt yourself to them and i'm always kind of a little bit um, reticent about that in the sense that i kind of think well part of the reason people will do business with me is because they like who i am and the way i present things and they like my products so what i should really be doing is presenting myself to people who are 
like-minded or would be attracted to the way that I'm presenting things rather than adapting myself, does that, that not end up me just saying, well, I might as well just do how I feel like and out of the 7 billion people in the world, there are going to be 10,000 who like what I'm doing and that's enough to make a living? That was a question. Is that a good approach or am I being foolish? Is being you a good approach? Yeah, basically saying, uh, if, if I'm me, sorry, I'll, I'll re restate it. I mean, I'll, I'll come back to the, the, the reason I think like this is I was in a rock group and we had our style of music. Nobody wanted to listen to us because nobody had ever heard of us. We stuck to our musical style and ended up with a reasonably big following, sold lots of albums and it was wonderful and it was great. And then we, with my ex-wife, we created Buon Quello, a cartoon for kids and we don't know anything about creating cartoons for kids. We just did it the way we thought it would be. And we made it fun in the way we thought it would be fun. We basically did what we felt like. And it happened to resonate with millions of children in the world, which was one of the great kind of, yeah, if you want, if you want goosebumpy moments, that's a goosebumpy moment. Um, and the, the fact is we just created what we thought was great. And the people who came on board came on board because they agreed or they it resonated with them. So rather than adapt our message, we just stuck to our guns and stuck to our message and pushed it forward mm -hmm. and didn't try to please, as it were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I understand. I, I got that. I feel uh, like I'm talking to my psychiatrist. <laughs> That's because <laughs> content writers are good empaths. Uh, I mean... I'm curious and I want to know what you want to say. The first thing you said was kind of dressed in different way. And the next thing was genuine because you wanted to explain. And your fastest way to explain is get into yourself and be yourself. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And you, uh, this is the fractal being of text. Um, you're, you're restating, you restating the question kind of answered it. Yeah, so I could have just carried on without actually bothering to let you answer at all. But that, that's a really, really good point. I actually did dress it up in a way that I thought was appropriate for the the scenario, the, the, the environment we're in. But that's totally fine for, for all the content people who are listening and for uh, Jennifer, I think, again, communicate correctly. It's fine to have your first ugly draft. That was your first ugly draft, your first uh, asking, uh, when you were asking the question, Jason. But we're spending too much on that. Let me just say that what I heard from you was that you found your genuine vibration and then it resonated. My problem here is that you cannot say this in a business setting, or at least I'm not powerful enough to be able to tell this to my clients yet. I mean, it, they know that I'm uh, crazy and intuitive and that I'm <laughs> writing good. However, I'm trying to dress, again, what you said in more, um, let's say, emotion-neutral words, maybe. And this translation takes time. Right. Yeah. No, and I think also I'm coming from my perspective where I kind of I control everything and it's my company or my my business and my ideas. Whereas in a company, actually, there is no 
kind of driving force in that sense. So it's much more difficult to do. Um, right. Uh, sorry, when we can carry on, as you said, we've actually got kind of terribly focused in on content and writing content. We were supposed to be talking about the semantic web and how everything is connected. Um, but that's and... so related to content, Jason. Oh, Oh, uh, right, go on. Explain yourself, young lady. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for the third Sorry. time, I will. No, that's fine. I, I'm like, um, there is an article, again, a, a, a blog post by Tim Berners-Lee. Uh, it is archived, and archived things can be found with the Wayback Machine. Yeah. I guess people know, but let's just kudos to Internet Archive. Oh, and, and quickly as well, pe SEOs who use the Wayback Machine uh, often don't donate. I donate every year, and I think we should all donate every year to the Wayback Machine because we all use it, and it's useful to us all. Uh, and yeah. I'm waving my pen around. Um, but Peace I and donate. <laughs> right, anyway, so we all use it. Please donate. Wayback Machine, Internet Archive. Yeah. They are okay. ace, and we need to support them. I'll find the link, and we'll maybe we can throw it. Uh, on YouTube. Uh, so there is this idea of building a giant global graph. This is how Tim Berners-Lee calls it. What is it built of? It's built of blogs. It's built of what people are saying. So the again, the thread connecting the semantic web and content is very thick because the web is woven of content. And so is the semantic web. It just needs some help from us. We right, need I've, to update our content. Going, you've got that interconnectivity at so many different levels because you've got the kind of the, the content, the pages are connected. Then we're all connected through the blocks that you were talking about, be it on social media or on content. And that gets fairly overwhelming fairly quickly when you try to think how many different ways you're connected to your audience. Where yeah. to start is then mm -hmm. the question. Where to start? Ah, that's a great question. Let's find an answer. I of do love the fact, start. sorry, I, I do love the fact that you actually take the time to think about it. I just blurt things out. So Yeah, but that I, I'm used to this. Well, we start uh, slow and we start, uh, uh, what's the word for this? Uh, in a trivial way. We think about our unique value proposition. Right. And we also think about what we, what do we want to see on the web from ourselves? How do we want to talk about ourselves? And and that's a really good point is how do we what what do we want what would what do we want to produce and if you think back to the way back machine is how do we want to be remembered because all of this sticks mm -hmm. around in one way or yes. another. Mm -hmm. So blurting out content, which is what I'm talking about, because I just go, oh, I have to fill in this empty space, is not the way to move forward. It's actually fill the spaces that you should be filling with content that you want to push out there because it represents you and it creates that connection with your audience. Yes. And what are their needs? What are their uh, content needs? We can get back again to media and media professionals are very well aware of there are nine types of needs, by the way, to right. uh, 
uh, of an audience when you're creating a readership. Um, of course, I don't remember all of them. I have them in my teaching slides, but there is the need to be informed, the need to stay connected, like to feel the community. Uh, I'm not sure what's the word for this. Uh, the need to feel uh, safe and accepted. Um, what else? Ah, the need to be inspired. Ooh. Yes. So, again, we can start with this. Another great start is what our what the people we are selling or talking to, what do they need? Do they need information about uh, the product? Uh, or do they need some kind of inspiration related to the product? And they usually need all of this at different stages. Right. Okay. I mean, I, well, I like the idea of inspiration because kind of that, that whole thing is saying, I mean, I, I kind of think we get incredibly pragmatic about how we're selling. We say, what solutions it solve? What pain points can I uh, relieve, as it were? And we, we focus on that. And that's how I kind of, that's the feedback I've been getting from the people I've been talking to is focus on pain points and solving problems. But inspiration sounds much more fun to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. And, and again, the community, uh, ah, that's the need to belong. When you're creating commu uh, content related to the idea of being part of a community, you're satiating this need, you're satisfying this need, the need to belong. Right. Well, that makes me think of, of Kate Toon, who has a Facebook group for her co copywriting courses. And mm -hmm. she works on the Facebook group uh, an awful lot. And she's creating community, mm -hmm. making people feel like they belong, helping to inspire them. I mean, I don't know what the other four other, we, you've, you've named five of these needs. She's certainly filling the five that you've named so far. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a pity that she's doing it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I hate Facebook. I actually got one of my latest comments got um, wiped out. And they say, oh, this doesn't fit with whatever rules they've got. And you're reading it. It just says, I have discovered a way of looking at the different sources in knowledge panels from Google, and here's the percentages. Mm -hmm. I really don't understand. Anyway, yeah. that's something else. Uh, Jason, I found the needs. They're very cool. I'll read them out. Off we go. Uh, so these are needs for, yeah, needs for um, experiences. A another keyword, experience. We're not writing content. We're creating experiences within the person. We're right. creating and adding to their inner dialogue. So makes me smarter. Experience. The utilitarian experience, that's what I can do with this. Why do I need it? The inspiration experience, the identity experience, and uh, the others I'll share with you in a link. Medial okay. on media engagement is called the, the book. Right. No, I mean, I love, I love this stuff. I mean, it, it, it seems to me to be a rounded approach to creating content. Uh, in the sense that when you create the yeah, content, it's you're, not, not you're not creating content. Thank you. Go ahead. They call it building readership. This is what I was talking when I talked that we live in bubbles. We're, um, TV shows are not creating content. 
they're building audiences. They're building readership. The magazines, for example. Right. Sorry, I'm trying to post the... So you're, you're building readership, you're building audience. I mean, Anton Schulke, who unhappily isn't here today. Oh, actually happily, because he's on holiday, which is delightful for him, less so for the rest of us who have to <laughs> stay around and actually do cool. the work. Um, but I mean, he talks about building community, community in, in the idea that you build the community, you get them to trust you, you inspire them, which is what you're talking about, you inform them, and they end up buying from you somewhere down the line if you have something that is truly valuable to them. Um, but the the idea for the content that he creates through his webinars and live streams is building community and being valuable to people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I've just shared the Amazon link that you shared, which is Medill Media Engagement APEC. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody, Jennifer, has just asked if we can share the link to the book uh, by Tim yes, Renners-Lee. Okay. That would be delightful. This is, this is becoming a very educational, um, book-filled episode. That's because of me. I'm sorry. Yeah, you read a lot of books, right? I mean, it looks like I read a lot of books from behind me, but they're my daughters. <laughs> right, oh, we've got it. Here we go. It's on the W3 website. There you go. Oh, shit. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I just said a naughty word. I do apologize to everybody who's listening, and I hope that doesn't get banned by Facebook. Um, right, okay. Oh, and I'll put the, the link up on the, the, the screen because SEO Today has actually already provided it. Wonderful stuff. Right, on to the next topic. Um, you were talking about happening versus result, and I've got no idea why I wrote that down and what it means, so you're going to have to explain yeah, it to me. Yeah, I'll write it down because there's a question. I saw a question. Shall I answer it now, or how can we use semantic data? The, the oh. SEO Today asked. I saw it... Uh, mm, on the screen. The, the sad thing is, semantic data. The guest okay. is paying loads more attention to what's happening than the host is, which is a good lesson in we should really. Oh, I could just let you interview yourself. But it's Anton Schulke's fault. Yeah, Anton's fault. Everything is Anton's fault. Right. How can yeah. someone use right. semantic data? Mm -hmm. uh, very quickly, uh, they can use it to get rich results in SERP, in Google's SERP. They can use it to annotate a page and have their exam, for example, frequently asked questions just um, as an answer in Google. They can also use it for building rich experiences on their website and for uh, better navigation for immersive content. But for that to happen, they would need to be used by semantic data. That is, they will need to put some effort uh, on the, the way they create content and the way they annotate it. Uh, for you, the, the idea of, of Structured data is to annotate the content itself in a manner that machines can make better use of that content. Yeah. And another, by the way, tying back to happening and results, mm -hmm. uh, when you asked me what is it that I want to talk about, happening was this idea that um, 
Google, Google's algorithms and the entire cyberspace is getting so complicated mm -hmm. that I believe uh, we cannot design for results. We can design for exchange and experience. Again, if we want to use semantic data, we are not to focus only on the result, the rich snippets, but also on the idea that we need to structure our content. And that is not easy at all. No. This I... will change us. This will be a happening within our company and within us, within the way we uh, relate to the web. We will understand, realize, or remember that the web is a place built of digital objects, not of content, of small pieces loosely joined. Which is absolutely lovely because when it comes all the way back to the right at the beginning, it's, it's objects semantically joined together. And fundamentally, once we start saying, I need to use structured data to make sure that this content is packaged in a way that the machines can actually understand and use it, create a richer experience for my users and my audience. And the philosophical part in the middle about creating content with those nine needs in mind. Um, I think that's a pretty fundamental change for all the people in SEO who have been counting links and counting words for the last 20 years. Uh. makes me think about this idea of collaboration. There are things that Ooh. SEOs can do, which I can't. And again, this fast and slow thinking, this algorithmic mathematical thinking, and this uh, crazy flow thinking where we imagine things. There needs to be collaboration between the two. So uh, um, there's place for everybody, and I don't have a recipe or something. Again, it's unique, but it needs to be done through a dialogue. Absolutely. With the SEOs included, I'm sure I, I, I can learn a lot from SEOs. No matter what, what they do and how they do their job, they're doing the best. Brilliant. No, I mean, collaboration... Yeah, is, is, really is a really cool. nice way of looking at it and, and, and mm -hmm. kind of building through collaboration. It's human beings. I mean, we have a comment, in fact, which we can, we can end with, which is, well, I was going to say delightful, but it's not. But Yuri Lejos, I'm sorry about the name pronunciation, terribly, terribly rude of me. Complexity comes from the web that people are not first-class web objects. And from what, I mean, I read, for, we're not first-class web objects, which is, my reading there is that we're forgetting about the people and the people are actually the most important web objects. Yes, they are. And uh, just to uh, finish what I started talking about regarding collaboration, I believe we cannot afford to cling, is this the word? To hold, yep. tight, to hold tight to any assumption about how digital marketing is done. Absolutely brilliant. That's the most perfect phrase to end 
that discussion. Thank you very much, Teodora. That was absolutely awesome. I'm just going to quickly announce now that next week we've got Jeff Coyle, Risks and Reward of AI-Generated Content. And that's going to be really interesting too, because AI-Generated Content is a la mode, fashionable and terribly Every day I hear people talk about it, and now we're going to have Jeff talking about the dangers of it and the rewards, and that's going to be awesome. So thank you once again, Teodora. That was brilliant. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for all the comments and questions, and I hope we got most of them in there. That was brilliant. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Teodora. Your name has too many syllables for my song. We're framing the awkward. <laughs> Thank you.